Thank you to whoever, who, I don't know who put this here, but yeah, you did, oh, thank you. I trust the cautious, thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. All right, everybody. Good morning, good morning. Well, hey, welcome. Brucha ba'a. Welcome, good to see you. Good to see you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the month of Shvat is continued to be sponsored by uh, the Pollux, Lilun Ishmat Shimon Ben Moshe, Tzvi Ben Mordechai, and Shira Rachma Bas Rav Alter Nasser Nata, and for Zivul Kogun for Daniela Chana Bas Sarah Libby. And this week is sponsored by Shlomit Kaufler Weinreb in memory of her brother David Kaufler, whose yard is Yud Gimel Shvat. Okay. So today, where are we today? Baruch Hashem, today it's time to yalla, to step, uh, <laughs> put some gas, go forward. In general, it's too, today won't answer it. We can, we can get closer, but uh, we're, at least, we're at least going in some kind of a, a direction, which I'm thankful for. Um, very thankful for this. So today we have a really important mifne in the learning that we're doing. And I'm going to do a, just a short recap of about mamash, like three to four minutes, because I'm also going to finish off this parak. We have four more pages, and I'm going to tell you it in two sentences, more or less, because the end here is extremely important, but extremely repetitive also. But this is Bezrat Hashem going to explain to us where we're at today, and it's going to lead us to, to showing how it's part two of a debate that took place in Eretz Yisrael, in, I believe it was the 60s, which actually involved the Lubavitcher Rebbe very much so. So this is, the, this is, this is where we're at. We've, we've been discussing in the last few weeks, the last few Sundays, that there was a lahat, there was a passion, a drive, a fire to come here and build this country. That same passion and drive and fire that the pioneers of this country had is no longer here today. You could look at that and you could say, Oy vey, Yerida Sadoros, look how nebuch we are now, how sad, look how we lost it, we lost the drive, we lost it all. Or we can understand like we've been understanding in the sheer, no, it's redef- the passion is redefining itself for what's needed today. The passion is redefining itself, that same drive, that same fire, that same excitement, that same... That same feeling that we were all doing something and it was all so worth it and so saving the world and saving Yiddishkeit. Even though it was was subconsciously, they didn't realize they they weren't doing it in the name of saving Yiddishkeit. But that same drive and fire, it's not that the... And the the underlying theme of that, the underlying driving force was the Shechina herself, like we were discussing. And now it doesn't look like that anymore because it's a completely different world. So you could say, Ay vey, zmir, where did it go? Where, how far, how low did we go? It's not that. It's that we've been learning in the primitive way that that same drive and fire and passion that is part of our DNA that brought us to where we came to in 1948 and probably a chunk of the beginning of the first 75 years of us being here, it's not that it went away. It's that it's finding itself again. It's redefining itself. The mashal we gave was like if you try to put on clothes on your child that fit them perfectly when they were three and now they're seven and they're choking because you're trying to put the same clothes that they looked so cute in when they were three years old, that's exactly what's going on here. 
That's exactly what's nachon, hard to part from it. Gifts from certain people has all this resemblance. <laughs> it reminds you of so many things and it brings up so many emotions. Oh, remember when he brought him that first cute thing or that her that first cute dress? It's all true, but it was l'sha'ata. It was for its time. And here we are now trying to understand what are the clothes of today? What's the levush of today? The way to understand what the mahut, what the clothes of today, what the essence of today's door, how do you know what people are really looking for today? What are they struggling with the most? That's generally how it is. If Sasson explains to us that the kshayim of the door are really a chalon to find out what the mahut of the door is. The things that we suffer from the most are actually a window into the things that we were really, that, that's the essence of this generation. And every single koshi, every single hardship has an outer layer and an inner layer. So let me just ask, some, I mean, this is pretty, pretty straight up. What's the outer koshi of this door? Like on the outside of what we're in right now. What's the outer real struggle that we have here, Am Yisrael has here, especially in Eretz Yisrael? What's the greatest struggle we have today? Yishmael, yes. hundred <laughs> percent. Yishmael is not the inner koshi. Right? Yishmael is not the inner koshi. The inner koshi is Yisrael. <laughs> Meaning, on the outside, it's Yishmael, without a doubt. On the inside, it's Yehudi, it's Yisrael. And this is boiling down for, to, uh, for us to understand where do, we, where do we go to from here if we really want to feel like we're living a, a Geula lifestyle. So, nachon, you have to first lashmid the outside oyev. It should be a schus in our time, ready right now, that our, our, all our enemies should be wiped off the face of the earth. And Hashem, do us a favor, let them just shecht each other. I don't want, we shouldn't even have to, we shouldn't even have to, shouldn't, Hashem, it shouldn't even have to be like things that, that, that we have to spend any energy on. But it's still, when, once that's done, we know what's waiting for us then, then the koshia pnimi. Now, this this goes back now. This is, this is what we were saying before. Um, in this, I, you could tell me what some of you Zionist buffs here could tell me. I don't remember when it was in the Knesset when they had the whole sugya of mihu Yehudi. Do you remember this? Before, 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 before. That that no, it came up. It came up. Then again. But it was prior. Does anyone remember Be'erich when that was? When we brought the Russians in the 90s? 60s. 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 It came up in the Knesset. Uh, it came up here with the, with all the, with the Beidin, with the Beidin, with the Beit Mishpat. Right. This happened, a while, this happened a while ago. And this took the country by storm. This question of who's considered a Jew. Who's considered a halachic? Who's cons- is the halacha is what, what considers someone a Jew or not? And the Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Nishmasa Eden, he got very. This was one time the Rebbe got up from 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 Crown Heights and basically just, you know, was, took such a loud, 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 loud action to make sure like this is a. And he would speak about this in Fabrengans as well. It wasn't just that he was like sending secret messages to people, key people in offices in Israeli parliament. 
There's Fabrengans. I once saw a Fabrengan of his, and he's screaming on here. He's screaming on there. And now that this, you know, the whole concept of who is a, who is a Jew. But today, today's question is different. Today's question isn't who is a Jew. If you see the real koshi that we're dealing with on the inside, the question is what is a Jew? Not who is a Jew. You could have, you could come, I don't even know if we've ever come to a real peaceful resolution in that regard. That's not the question. The question is what is a Jew? Now the question really is the word zehut. The question is a concept of identity. Identity. What does it even mean to be a Jew? That we see in this country, mamash, remember, prior to Simchas Torah, that was the focus here, mamash, where it was eating us up inside. Eating us up inside, it was playing a very difficult, it, it, was, it was creeping up in every way, shape, or form. Excuse me, anywhere you looked, that's what was coming on. Not what is the halachic status of a Jew, or what is the proper way to daven. That's what it looked like on the outside. The insight is, what does it... Then this question we're not asking clearly enough yet. The, we're trying here to address it. Is it, what does it mean to daven? I could tell you what the Shulchan Aruch says about how, how to daven and times and sections and whatnot. The question, Be'emet, and the pnimiyot of it is, what does it mean? Be'emet, Be'emet, Be'emet. Not, not who is a Jew. What is a Jew? What does it mean? What is the whole inyan of it? So I have here pages, if you could please pass these around, those that need. And the Sefer itself, we're in Dav Kuf Chav Gimel. And I want to stress right now, I want to explain why this is so crucial. If this is a shir called learning Geula, living Geula, this is a stop on the way towards Be'evrat Hashem, the Yom Shekulo Shabbat that we're all dreaming of, that needs, that must be addressed. And we're going to be running with this material because as I explained to someone last week, similar to Rabbi Nachman and Nikotemo Aran, when, did, did everyone get? I didn't make enough, I'm sorry. And, and the book's out of print. I think I made like 15 or 17 of these. And you have this farm. Okay, I'm gonna, it's to make more for next time. Uh, just, just a point regarding this safer and this learning, I think it's very important for us because we're used to like accumulation. We're used to feeling like, uh, did we learn? Well, how much did we cover? So in this Sefer, it's a little bit difficult because he's very much he's drilling points home. Because like in Rabbi Nachman, you'll see the Rabbi will go over things over and over and over again because when something, you think you know it because you understand it, the Rebbe will then say it again to show you you thought you knew it one way, it's actually much deeper, which again brings me to your husband, I'm just going to say this very quickly. Yes, I'm going to say this very quickly. I've said it before, but it, it taught me everything. It has to do with the format of this Sefer. The first week that I was in Yeshiva, in Shvat Miftar here in Efrat, about 22 years ago, your husband, my Zisa Zisa Rabbi Reb Nassim, and I'm very mocked to say that every time I say his name, because he taught me that. Not about him, he said, in general. Right? He, was, he once gave a whole schmooze on why it's so important to, you know, what the Zain Tzadik, Vav, Kuf, Lamed, hey, hey, every single thing. He got up in the morning and he told over an amazing, amazing chassidish shemaisa after shachris. And it blew everyone away. That night in Mariv, he was back in Mariv that same night. 
and he said over the same exact story at Ma'ariv. And all of us, you know what happens when you're, you're embarrassed because you think the, he didn't remember that he said the story in the morning, so everyone put their head down because no one wants to keep their head up. <coughs> and he said right away, I know what you're all thinking. Siegel for sure lost all his marbles by now. That's what he said. He said, but do you really think a Hasidic tale is one that you know it and then you move on? If this story doesn't mean anything different to you since a, after a whole day of learning Torah, you don't know what a Hasidic story really is. Stay with me forever. Yeah. Anyway, it, it, it's the same thing over here. If, if we're understanding the same thing every single week while we're living full weeks in Eretz Yisrael, experiencing the highest of the highs and the lows of the lows, and concepts seem to mean the same thing, it means there's a lot of stagnancy and, and we have to flow, we have to keep on moving. We got to keep on moving forward. The question of today, like he brings up over here, Berur HaZehut Bedoreinu. Clarifying what is our identity in the world, in, in, in our generation. Now we said before that the struggle of the generation is always, Matzbiya always points to what the Mahut of the door is all about as well. What people struggle with the most is also what the context of the door is most is mainly about as well. Now, what's the greatest uprising in the besides, of course, the you know the token let's hate Jews for a few you know in, in this door. But besides that, what's the other greatest like uprising in the world? People are fighting for more than anything. Identity. It's Obviously, in America, it's very, you know, probably louder and stronger than ever. That, you know, say what you want to say about it. The fact that there's such a struggle, there's such a screaming and a calling over these things of zehut, of identity, is also, it's also here. It's not in the same way like it's in America, but it's definitely screaming out from a very real place of us trying to understand. There's a calling of like, not what is a Jew, but Sorry, not who is a Jew, but what, what does that even mean? What is it? What is this identity, meaning being a Jew? I've been challenged by someone who I respect very much, who asked me to stop saying the word Jewish. Jewish is not a Jewish. Are you smallish? Are you biggish? Are you litvish? Chassidish, isn't that? If you're talking about an identity, it's not Jewish, ish. That's not a, right? Whatever, we got used to it. He said, don't even say Jew, say Bnei Yisrael. Like, if you really want to get to it. The Torah doesn't call us Jewish, they call us Bnei Yisrael. So I started for, it lasted like mamish two days, it was, it was finished, just because I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Every time it came up so often in conversation, and I was trying to have like a flowing conversation with someone, and I, I lost them. Every time I said Bnei Yisrael instead of the Jewish people or Jew, so I was just like, okay, I have to either have more patience or, or dive in stronger over it before it comes out. But this concept of zehut, of identity, and I'm not pushing any political parties over here right now, as you know that one of them is called zehut, even though I have a lot to say about it because I follow them very, very closely. And I do believe there's a besorah there. There is actually something to share with the world and what, what they have to say, what this person has to say, Moshe Feiglin. But in his, you know, in his office, there's a, he has, the, you could see it, and every time he goes online, there's a picture right behind him, and it says, Yahadut Shava Cherut. Yahadut Judaism, Bnei Yisraelism, you see how, how, it's, how weird it sounds, but you'll get there. 
Yadut equals cherut, equals freedom. On the outside, what does it look like people are fighting for? And what does it look like people are fighting for when you look deep down inside? And we have to, just, we have to kind of release ourselves from shackles of years of having already all the you know, clear notions of what things mean, what they don't mean, and to, re- and to be open to taking Rav Cook in very, very close to heart right now in an attempt to, I guess, answer this question of, of what the identity of the door is and what are we really, what are we really looking for, what are people really starving for. We already know this, he said before. Right now, it's soul time. Right now is the time for the soul to arise and say, I have found a home. This is where I feel at home. This is where I feel at home. It'd be amazing if you could detect throughout your day when there have been moments that you could probably say, you know what, here, here I sense my neshama felt at home. Can you go like even past this past Shabbos and say, okay, it's not a chokhmah to say in davening my neshama felt at home, but like at that meal, with that person, at that conversation, my soul didn't feel foreign in this world. I actually felt like it felt at home. That walk to shul, that conversation, that whatever it is. Now it's, geula means that my neshama feels more and more at home. Geula, you know, geula, the second koma, komotayim, the second koma, the second one up. After the body has been redeemed, the soul has gotten stronger. The heart is now going towards this place, this place of soul. That the soul is showing up here. Therefore, you have a whole generation now that is searching for content and context and meaning. Meaning. No one had the luxury to think like this for many years. Now people are looking for meaning. That's why Simon Jacobson's book was such a great seller, not only because of the title, but because that's what the book was driving people towards, a meaningful life. Towards a meaningful life. But the question of identity, Whenever he says we're going to briefly expand, that means he has a whole Megillah waiting for us. Just, we, we, we caught you on this, Reb Sassam. And the birth, the birth of the time, of the era, where the soul is what really matters to us. Now he tells the problem. We all know this. Redemption is very much connected to the, to the concept called freedom. Chirut, freedom. And the first stage of freedom is the physical freedom from any enslavement. No more stories about Yosela and the Poritz. There's no more stories like this anymore, right? Also, when we left Mitzrayim, the first Shlav, which is amazing, we're learning this now, because this is actually what's happening this week. The Shlav Arishon, the first stage was that I'm actually leaving an Egyptian with a whip over me. Nachon, we did that. And after that stage comes the stage of the freedom of the spirit and the soul. 
And here's where things can get very, very, very meshuga. In this stage, mamash, not the stage of while I'm a slave, the stage after I'm physically removed from physical slavery, here is where all the ta'uyot amukot, not just ta'uyot, not just mistakes, deep mistakes, can start to appear. She'alulot l'sha'abed et rucho shel ha'adam, that could actually come and put you right back into slavery. What type of slavery? Spiritual slavery, which is much worse than any physical slavery. Bimkom, instead, lehaviyo el cheruto vechofsho ha'amitim, instead of bringing him to his real cherut and chofesh. Now here it's interesting how he uses these two different words, cherut and chofesh. What do you think the difference is? I'm starving. I don't, I don't have any deep tarilach here. I'm just wondering. What do you think cherut and chofesh? I mean, freedom and vacation? That doesn't sound, uh, that doesn't sound so gishmak. I'm not sure what he means over here, but chirut and chofesh. It's just another, just like two words that mean the same thing. Freedom and vacation. Vacation is you just go out and you just bleh. And uh, freedom is, is the opposite of slavery. Now we can focus, now we can lift our heads up. Free to do something. Yeah, I think chofesh is more temporary. Yeah. We would, right. Okay, let's say that. Let's say that, not to get too deep. Chofesh is like an escape. Uh huh. Purpose. Towards. Nachon. Nachon. No, no, no. He actually, I, I, you could see a trend. Yeah, yeah, that's why. It's inter- I, I would ask him, actually. I'm going to ask him. I'm going to ask him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Chofesh, <laughs> right, <laughs> meaning freedom from. Nachon, nachon me'od. That's interesting. Thank you for googling it. I never said that before in a shir, but <laughs> thank you, thank you for googling it. Thank you for take, pulling out your pocket computer and enlightening all of us. Now, this is where I feel like this work right now is is getting. He's cutting. He's cutting right right to the mamash to the heart of where where things are at. I'm going to let him lead it. I can, I can go off over here. I'm going to let him lead it right now. בדורנו אנו עדים לרוחות רבות המנשבות בעולם, התואנות שהתורה והמצוות הן עול ושיעבוד לאדם. This is so true. There are many different winds blowing in the air, blowing in the world, in our time, in our days. Many different winds blowing all over the place that claim that the world of halacha, even though he's not saying halacha, this is clearly where he's leading us towards, that claim that halacha is, and Torah, a life of Torah, are a yoke that enslaves you. We used to be slaves in Egypt to Egyptians, and now what Orthodox Judaism has done with the Torah is that it just enslaves you now to a world of laws. And I got to tell you something. Those voices that say that I very much identify with them. I'll tell you why. <laughs> because based on what are they saying that? Why would they say such words? Can you repeat Yeah, yeah. Well, not exactly, but I could do it like this, right? There are a lot of spirits, there are a lot of sounds, there's a lot of winds blowing in the air. 
that say that, okay, once upon a time we had an enslavement that was called Egypt. Today we don't have an enslavement, we don't have an enslaver that's called Egypt, but we have an enslaver that's called Halacha, called Torah. Now, why do, why do I, obviously I'm, you know, prepping you to, fl- you know, flip it all over, but because that'd be really weird if I didn't, and I actually <laughs> had a declaration now that, like, they are right. <laughs> Let's leave. You know, no, it's not that. Listen deeper, listen deeper, everyone. The spirit, the voices that say, that look at, or look at from Jews, look at Jews of the Torah, do they look like they can do whatever they want? Absolutely not. Do you think God put us in this world to constantly be under laws and governance and restrictions? Doesn't God want us to enjoy the world, therefore? the Torah that they've been exposed to, these people that are speaking these words, the Torah that they've been exposed to is one that definitely doesn't offer that much more than just another rule book and another set of enslavement. You could say it's pretty enslavement or godly enslavement, but it's still enslavement, enslavement. And we have to go back to a basic chazal, a basic saying of the sages that says, the truth is, the only freedom, the only true freedom people have in this world is actually only with the life of Torah. There is no greater freedom in the world. And I'll share with you that the people in my life, that I look at them and I look at them and I say, these are free spirits, really free spirits really individual, really independent souls are the ones that are more immersed in the world of Torah than anyone else. Now that seems like a taite de sache. That means, that seems like it's completely self-contradicting. What do you mean? Free spirit? Free spirit is the one that shows up once in a, every few weeks because every Friday night they find another orchard to, you know, where they bring a basket of fruit and sit on a blanket and choose which pieces of Kabbalah Shabbat, if at all, they feel like saying because... They're very in touch with their soul and the flow of what they feel in the moment. That's a free spirit. No. That's not, that's a beautiful person. It's just not a free Jewish B'nai Yisrael spirit. <laughs> Jewish. All-inclusive vacation. Yeah. More or less. <laughs> More or less. This is what Chazal guide us to his day. And, I, and, and my Rosh Yeshiva Rav Ravinder would speak about this a lot. And he, I, I was privileged to be by him on Thursday. I took my son to him. Uh, right before we saw Rav Ginsburg, and I, I was sitting with Rav Ravna, and I remembered, like so many of the yisodot that he gave us, where he believed, you know what he believed in? He believed so much in the concept of Torah. Forget about, like, he believed the Torah was Emes. Or I could say that. Or I could say, he believed in the power, the beauty, the love, the freedom that the Torah really gives the searching soul. Because his thing was, just get the person to the page. He would always speak about this. Get the Yid, get the Ben Israel, get the person to engage in any type of learning and let the Torah do the rest. But we, we think our job is get them to the page, get them to the Shulchan Aruch, get them to the Netilas Yadayim, get them to the Kashris. Ravinder believed in the power of, believes in the power of Torah so strongly, and he believed the power of this thing that sets a person's soul on fire and for his real freedom. The Yiddishkeit, when you give over Yiddishkeit to someone, when you give over what Torah is all about, but in a way 
that reminds them of Egypt, then those winds will continue to blow in the air, saying, do you think we left Egypt in order to now just have another Egypt that's called God? And there are a lot of, there's a lot, obviously there's a lot of that type of assumptions by many of Am Yisrael, especially here in Eretz Yisrael, that that's what the world of Yiddishkeit looks like. And the greatest time I've always heard is, my Oneg Shabbos, you could tell, how could you tell me that that's not an Oneg Shabbos, that I have one day off a week, I work so hard. My Oneg Shabbos is to actually go to the beach with my children. Now, what are you going to tell a person like that? What's your, what's, what do you, what do you reply? You tell them, no, that doesn't really feel good. And he's sitting there saying, no, it actually really does. No, if you really were in touch with your soul, it wouldn't feel good. Those, that, that, that D-boy doesn't work. That talk doesn't work. Never did and never will. And especially won't work now. And in fact, that kind of talk pushes a person away more and more from tasting the freedom of, the real freedom of their neshama. It actually distances them even more and more and more. So he's setting us up here for a very, very big task, which we're going to see right now. Again, the top of the page. Bedorenu anu edim leruchot rabot amenashvot ba'olam ha'toanot she'atorah ve'amitzvot hen ol ve'shiabud le'adam. U'b'shem bakashat ha'chirut ve'achofesh, in the name of seeking, now we have an explanation, vacation and freedom, they come and they say, I, I'm done with this yoke. This yoke cannot be. The God that I believe, in, believe in would not want me to suffer like this and be restricted like this. It seems like, really, what's real freedom? If anyone wants to understand the last two lines he said, learn again Ma'amar Hador of Rav Kook, where Rav Kook explains in Ma'amar Hador, which he wrote two years after coming to Eretz Yisrael, he wrote this in, I believe, in 1906, where he explains that the Yiddishkeit, the younger generation, was receiving the last thing in the world they felt was freedom. The, the older generation couldn't give it over to them. And a lot of that has seeped into the Yiddishkeit of Eretz Yisrael, even though I know it's a new world, we're already in the 21st century and we're 100 years away from such a life. It's still somewhere placed into the heart of how we give over the world of Torah to the next generation. Bemuvanze, we're six lines from the top, we're fifth, five lines from the top. Bemuvanze, ha'amira shel chazar, she'en lecha ben chorin ela mishi, betalmud Torah, ena mitkabelet ala lev. The heart doesn't buy that statement of Chazal. What statement of Chazal? The one we just said before. The only person that is truly free is one that is involved in learning Torah. The heart of today's generation says, yeah, that, won't, that maybe worked for 2,000 years. And maybe it worked for like the last 50, 70 years. I'm just not buying it. It's a new world. It doesn't work like that anymore. You can't fool us. It, it won't work. The heart says, no, no, no. We have such a statement of Chazal. A person that's free is one that Torah is his life. And the heart says, I, I don't buy it. 
כי נדמה שאדרבה, התורה מלאה חובות לאדם, איסורים וגבולות. ונראה שהדבקות בתורה מסבבת לאדם עבדות ולא חירות. If Torah, actually, the way that I, this is the, the younger person of today is saying, the truth is the way that I am learning and understanding what Torah is, is all about restrictions. It's all about a, a lot of laws and enslavement. נכון. That is definitely, definitely, definitely the way that you're experiencing it. So instead of us sitting back here and saying, Oy vey, what a lost generation. Who are you talking about when you're saying it's a lost generation? Are you talking about those that are seeking deep, real freedom? Or are you talking about those people that are, so to speak, representing God in the Torah that couldn't be more shallow and far from the real purpose of Torah, which is to give people the world of chirut and, and freedom, when you say it's a lost generation? Who are you referring to? And when you realize that it's referring to ourselves, oh boy, the responsibility of us so-called spokesmen of God is that much greater and that much more intense, but that much more needed as well. Who is bringing the word of Hashem to the world today that gives a person a feeling that the world of Torah is the world of ultimate freedom? There was someone about 300 years ago His name was actually Yisrael. Saba, Zaydi, the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov's whole, and, and, it got, and, and you see how much it got, to a certain extent, got very lost from the time of the Baal Shem Tov. You look at the Baal Shem Tov, you, know, you read a story of the Sipuriah Baal Shem Tov, and then you go to a Hasidic Shatish, you, you can't understand, you know, sometimes Ma Kesher between these two worlds, right? The Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh brought freedom to the Neshama. It made the neshama feel at home again, that it has a chance to work in harmony in this world, like we're learning on Thursday mornings. So let's try to understand the statement of Chazal again, and maybe we could have a chance of, how the, of the work of how, how do we give over Torah to the world, but it has to start with ourselves, that makes us really feel that right now, the fact that we came to a shir to learn Torah had nothing to do with the feeling of this is what good Jewish women do on Sunday mornings, as opposed to this is cherus, this is freedom. How do I answer that to myself when I was putting on tefillin this morning, rushing the kids and again and getting to minion and putting on tefillin and diving with the minion and then the whole time not just feeling like, okay, I started the week off strong because I had to fulfill my halakha obligations all in its timeline, but really saying this is a life of this a life of freedom, especially in an Eretz Yisrael that doesn't have Sundays, right? No Sundays here. You go, the Motzei Shabbos, Sunday morning insanity is, could be torturous to, the, to, to, to every part of you, right? Like many, have you, we've discussed this with many of the Olim that they say the hardest adjustment was Sunday morning or the mindset of Motzei Shabbos going to sleep, knowing that tomorrow morning is, you know, sandwiches, everything... In my, in my experience of being a Jew this morning, was it, was, it, was it a freedom experience? Because that's what it's supposed to be about. Now, how do you have a freedom experience within the framework of so many laws and restrictions and timelines and guidelines? This is deep stuff. This is important stuff. This is, but this is where we're at. This is the question of the zehud, the identity of this generation, The soul of the generation is saying, show me how that's considered freedom. 
Because if you can't really give it over to me, I got my Babi, my Swami, I got, I got the great Hever in India waiting for me. Or I don't have to go to India, like we discussed last week. There's a whole village of Buddhists right now that's right by Yamamelach, the, the sweetest people in the world. I'm sure there it's very different until you go there and you realize, oh, they also have a whole tire of, of, of different halachas, different base midrash, right? Do you, do you understand what, 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 our, what the responsibility of our door is, of a living geula is? Can you give over to me? Can you explain to me? Can you show me how this world called Yiddishkeit and learning and engaging in Torah really sets my soul free? Because how many more do we have to lose that grew up in Jewish homes, religious homes, whatever that means. Because that was not at all what they were experiencing. At all. So here he continues. Om Nam, second paragraph. Divrei Chachamim hem emet It's true the words of the Chachamim. Every word is emes. Divreihem nokvim v'yodim atehom anefesh mitoch havanat avana elokit b'mahut ha'adam. It's a big, big words here. But I'll try to give it over to you, not word by word. You know what it means to have emunat chachamim, to believe in the words of the sages? Believing in the words of the sages means, it's not that, oh, they had a, they had a very, um, they had a very uh, polished way of saying deep concepts. That's not what emunat chachamim means. Emunas Chachamim means, believing in the words of the sages means, they had a comprehensive understanding of what godliness means and how it reaches the soul of the authentic seeker. How words, how such a, such a, such a big thing called God and a godly path in this world, how it could actually meet and find the heart of the true soul seeker, of the su- of the true authentic soul soul seeker. So they would say statements that would be like, you know, when you're on a when you're on a sincere journey, when you're really on a sincere journey, and you're open, your heart is open, and then Chazal say, Oh, we got a sentence for you. Right? And then if your heart's open and you hear the words of these divine sages, there's a shidduch. It just mo- never happened to you like you were in a deep place in life and suddenly you came across a poem or a saying or a statement or a Torah and you felt like it was worth coming into the world just to hear these words. That's a moment of a zivug that happens between you and the Torah. And who was the Shadchan? Chazal. Right? Chazal was the Shadchan. You know, it's so interesting that a, sh- a, a, a stapler is called a Shadchan. You know that? <laughs> I was thinking about this because it's sta- it's like it staples you in. It's like, it's like, yeah, this is this is it. You know, this is this is what I was this is what I've been searching for. And us believing in our tzaddikim, it means we believe that all of their words and etzot were basically like words that they prepared for us at a moment where our heart is open to hear exactly what we needed to hear. Mamash at that moment, I can't tell you how many times. With Reb Shlomo, that happened with me so many times. Like not, I just can't believe it, and it just kept on happening, over and over and over again. And then it happened with your husband. Happened with your husband, many times, many many times. Uh, Malka, quite often it happens with your husband as well. I'll be very honest. Lamash, like there's like I'm like, yes. That's all I have to say. Yes, 
Can I explain it? No. Do I know it's Emma's? Yes. I just know it's Emma. I can't, can't explain it. Just feel like your soul waits for it, and it's right there. So when so Rav Sasson is saying over here, even though what Chazal say is emet la'amito, it's the truth of all truths, our job is to bring that down into today's era in a way that can be heard, like the Rebbe would always say, be'ofen hamiskabel, which means in a manner that can be received. That's the chokhmah. That's the wisdom of today's generation. How can you take these words that have been emes for generations and generations and bring it down be'ofen hamit kabel in a manner that can be received? You all know that when it comes to the mitzvah of tochecha, of rebuking, it's absolutely forbidden for you to rebuke anyone if you don't have a really, really, really strong sense that what you're about to say will be heard. If you're not sure about it, but you're burning to say it, oh boy, does that say a lot about you. And it's actually halachically asr for you to say anything. Absolutely asr for you to say anything. So this language that we're talking right now about, taking these statements of Chazal and bringing it down, it's a very, it's a very big, lofty service, and it's very hard, and it's very, 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 very worthwhile. Very worthwhile. Think of it in your own life. It brought you to where you're at at a certain point in your life. Now it's time to pass the torch to a new, a new language, a new generation. So again, Omne, um, the third line, sorry, we're going to continue. To understand this, we need to really understand what freedom and what enslavement really means, much more than just, you know, the pshat of Yitziat Mitzrayim. This, this, this expanding on these topics will help us understand deeper what real vacation means. And it'll sharpen our soul sensory. To be able to detect where is their enslavement, the kitsadnika elmimeno, and how will I redeem myself from it? Liot anashim cherutiim be'emet, to be real people of freedom. <coughs> when I zoom out and I speak nationally, have the Jewish people of the land of Israel, are we people that act as people of anshei cherut, of people of freedom? No. No. Does anyone want to say yes? You're free to say yes. It's my, my opinion is no. Or are we still, with our own governance and sovereignty, people that may as well, to a certain extent, still be living in Egypt? You think this country would look the way it does if we understood and lived concepts of chirut and chofesh amitim, and we were able to detect what galut, what galut, what shiabud, what enslavement means? You think we'd be able to continue like that? You think this would... It's a pele. This is a miracle. The fact that we're actually this is a complete ma'alatava miracle. A miracle. It doesn't add up at all. It doesn't add up at all, at all, at all, at all. But he's saying over here, the art here is to redefine, expand. What does freedom really mean? What does shiabud really mean? What does enslavement really mean? And it's like mamish, like what they say when you walk into a, you know, to, to a... You know, what's it called? The Prayer of Serenity. You know, the, at all the AA meetings and in the big book, right? Grant me the, 
Apparently, I'm not going to ask you to say it by heart because you'll reveal your, your <laughs> you reveal some of your zachin in life. But you know what I mean, like you know, get, right? <laughs> I know that. I know. It's a, it's one of the deepest feelers in the world. It's one of the deepest feelers in the world. Till today, I have I have that 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 safe. I have that book right next to my bed. I'm not. I'm, there's no. When I say I'm not an addict, it's not a success or, not, or non-success. It's just I feel very connected. And Rav, Rav um, Tversky, Rav Tversky believed in, in, in that every single Yid should go to uh, experience a meeting and understand the mahalach of, of what people go through in that. Mamash. And that thing of like, to grant me the, the wisdom to separate between the two, like we're, we're, we're addicts to something. As a, as a people, we're addicts to something. You know, an addict doesn't want to be where they're at. They just don't know a way out. So we're addicts to something that's like, we, we, we don't know how to just be really free people yet. We still don't know. With all the army and the power and the money and all these things, we're still not an, acting like it because we still, no one showed us really what it means to have true Bnei Yisrael freedom. Bnei Yisrael freedom is a different type of freedom. And that's what we have to like, go deeper over here and understand. That's what we're meant for. And that is the thing that's irking within the people more than anything. What is our identity? What are we, what is it, what are we really? I know you can keep on telling what we're not. Right? We're very big on saying what we're not. But what are we? Like, what is it? What is the, what is the identity? Now, it's true that this gets so complicated. Because the more and more that you grow in the world of Torah and you learn more halacha, without pnimius, without the beauty and bliss of the secrets of the Torah, the more the Torah seems more restricted. Of course it does. It can't be that you learn more halacha and you get so excited and feel free on the moments where halacha says, oh, this you're allowed to do. No. You get more and more affected by all the times where the halacha shows you what you can't do. But if you're not filling your life and your living with pnimius, with the inner secrets of the Torah, with the, with the inner realm of the Torah, with thinking about taking care of our souls, having our souls rise up in this generation, the Torah will feel more and more like an Egyptian uh, slave master. And that's the saddest thing in the world can't be that it says like God looked at the Torah and then that's the blueprint of the world. Can you imagine? God looked at a book of rules and he said, now let's create the whole world. But for many people, that's what it's like. That's not the world of chirut. That's not a world of freedom. That's not, it cannot be that this is what God had in mind. That perception of the Torah. And on the other hand, so how do I give over the world of freedom to a generation that's starving to feel expressive Right, expressive, within a framework that fits them. Simple stuff, right? Like the But any any educator in today's field of Jewish education that's not losing sleep over this should pass the mantle over to someone else. mamash, fast, 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 fast. This is this is this is the heart and soul of what of where we're at today. Now our successes within the world of Torah that are measured by, like we said before, how many seums we do is also very problematic. Because that's not the... That doesn't, 
in some sphere it does something for the soul, I'm sure. But to be able to detect it now and feel now that there's an advancement here, that there's more, there's a, this, it, it's a geula type of learning, you don't, that's not, it, doesn't, it doesn't appear like that. It doesn't feel like that. And that's very threatening to the yeshiva world. Right? It's very threatening to the yeshiva world. I remember in the beginning of, 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 uh, of what the world called, like, you know, the whole uh, downfall of, of the world with the COVID uh, mishigas. So what was the biggest like, problem the teachers were dealing with? Does anyone know? Do you remember? I remember. What were teachers having the, the most biggest difficulty with? Hespek. You know what hespek means? Hespek means, um, huh? Yeah, like meaning, yeah, the covering of materials. Like the whole world looks like it's about to have a whole new definition of like mabul of Noach, just in the form of germs and stuff like this. And what what, pe- what people in the world of education were losing sleep over was, okay, but kita gimel anachlo, you know, tzimles like, it's like you have you have seven year olds that suddenly are walking around in a world where people can't even see each other, and you're worrying right now about hespek, which means covering material. See, there's a big par between what's happening in the world, the clear signs that are coming from above, and what we still feel driven and programmed to say we have to cover. We have to to cover this, you know? So can you imagine that people measure their success of chinuch saying, after spending a year with the student, how much was I able to instill within a child that this is the freedom of their soul, the world of Torah? How much did I get that into them after a year of spending learning Torah with them? As opposed to how many prakim we covered. Now, it used to be this was crazy talk, and in certain circles it still is. But you'll see that speaking about covering material in an era of anticipating the geula is going to sound like the craziest crazy talk very soon. It's going to be the exact opposite. The exact opposite. And anyone that's not speaking about meeting the needs of the Jewish children of today to find freedom within the Torah, well, anyone that's not speaking that language will then do what they're supposed to do, which is to become a plumber or, or, a, or, or something that has to do with, like, you know, something very, uh, I don't know. <clears throat> not that plumbing's not, not godly. I have a good friend that's a plumber, but you know what I mean. It's not, the plumber's not worried right now. Now, what we're going to be seeing next week is that the key and the, 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 the path towards being able to define what freedom is means that identity comes first. And this is going to take us to a very, very beautiful and uh, a, a, to me, I, I feel this every time I learn Rav Cook. I, f- I kind of feel free a little bit. I don't know how to describe I actually do feel lighter. Every time I learn Rav Cook, every time I... <laughs> Every time I allow myself to not crack the code of the, of the, of the targum, of the uh, translation of every letter, and I dive in, I'm like, well, what is he saying that's past just the, you know, Hebrew? Like, what's the soul of what he's saying? I always feel lighter, and I personally always feel more like because to me, Rav Kook was a free human being.
He was such a free person. He was probably the freest person I've ever, you know, I've ever heard of. The more I learn about him, the more I learn his Torah, I see he's just he's a free person. Um, and Rav Kook was probably one of the greatest makpidim on halacha that ever was as well. And yet he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't bend an ounce of the law at all, right? Therefore, it's good to learn Torah from a person that was like a, a, the most, it's like a majestic blend of these two worlds to understand mm-hmm. what it means to be free. And, and Rav Kook is going to show us that in order to be free, you have to first be open to the notion that you still haven't met yourself. You still don't know who you are. Ha'ani, ha'atzmi. In Chassidus, especially in Lubavitch, they speak a lot about the concept called atzmi. Atzmi is. Atzmi means the actual, real, most, 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 pnimi uh, essence of what really composes you, the real you, the real, real, real you. Ha'aniha atzmi. Rav Kook was very, very big on this. So on our path towards discovering what real freedom is, you have to be able to show up. And in order for you to show up, you have to really know who you are. Nachon, I do this, I do that, I do that. But be'emet, 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 to tap into your neshama. That's who you really are. That's who we really are. You could be friends with someone for 30 years and still have no idea about who they really are, but you know a lot of the things that they like and the music they listen to and the choices they've made in life. But to say you actually really know the atzmi of a person is very rare and it's a gift. But it's so worthwhile spending time on trying to do that. <coughs> so if that's true with the relationship with someone else, like how many people can you really say, they mamish know me? That's not the question. The question is, do you know yourself enough to know if they know you or not? You hear the difference? They really know me. That's not the question. They may know whatever you're exposing them to, whatever you expose yourself to. But to really know you, and only a free person can do this type of work. Only someone that's truly free can do this type of avoda. And there's no other way of marching towards Geula without focusing and expanding the, the, the conversation on Ha'ani Ha'atzmi. And that Bezrat Hashem is where we're going to pick, pick up from next week. Okay. It should be a week of Geula, Bezrat Hashem.